Another week, another episode here on the Indie Ball Report, where we discuss everything and anything independent league baseball. So be sure to tune in for the rest of this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. Alright, back again. Just me this week. Again, another solo episode. Apologies for that. However, there is some big announcements coming later in this episode, so it's worthwhile to stay tuned for that this week. There are There is some topics that I can discuss. Uh, not terribly much that I can go into too much depth about, just simply because, well, again, they're discussion topics, and this is a discussion-based show, so when only one half is here, it becomes incredibly difficult to do. So, apologies for that, but not much I can do. That being said, there are still some topics that can be discussed today, including what some indie ball teams are doing during this pandemic to try and keep the ballpark alive and keep the <clears throat> and keep the general sense of community that these teams foster alive and well. We'll discuss some of that towards the back half of the show, but the bulk of this episode is going to just be kind of giving an update as to where each of these leagues is at, as to what some projects going around independent league baseball where they are at. And then talking about the major league, minor league, indie league kind of situation as it is. So kind of where baseball's at at the present moment in time. And then at the very back end of the episode, we have some uh, impressive interviews that are going to be coming up next week, the week after, and the week after that. So I am going to be excited to announce those at the very end of this episode. But seeing as we're already nearly a minute and a half, two minutes in, we might as well jump headlong into the first topic which is just kind of figuring out what's going on with Major League Baseball and MILB. Currently, as we all know, they're kind of at odds over the contraction thing. However, there is a little bit of a bigger picture here. As we saw a massive wave of releases for the the affiliated leagues, minor leaguers, we saw just about every team make some sort of wide sweeping cuts. I believe I believe Pittsburgh is one of the few teams, at least as of right now, that has yet to really make a wide sweeping cut. And I understand the sentiment of a lot of fans saying, oh, well, this isn't fair. You're releasing them in the middle of a pandemic when they don't really have, you know, many other options here. And I don't necessarily have as much of a problem with the releases as I think a lot of people would have. As a lot of these guys are just guys that would have been cut in spring training and they just hung on for another, roughly speaking, two months. So I don't necessarily have that much of a problem there. There's going to be one article that we link. I believe it's from CBS Sports, but it also could be the Baseball America one. I'm not that. Normally, you see about 300 players that get cut at the end of spring training, and this year, only about 130 got cut, seemingly probably because spring training obviously had to be concluded earlier due to the coronavirus. So I don't necessarily have that problem with the guys being released. What I do have a problem with is what teams like the Oakland Athletics are doing where they're neither releasing their minor leaguers nor are they paying them, which I don't believe is fair in any sense of the word. Uh, as far as I'm concerned there, either you're paying your players because they're on your roster and you own their rights, which then it's fair. You know, they signed a contract with you, you're paying them and all is well and good, or you're not paying them and then you're really not using the contract, so then they should be a free agent in my mind. At least that's how I look at the situation. I understand it's also a lot more difficult right now. You could argue the same thing. Well, then major leaguers aren't getting paid either right now. So then why should the minor leaguers be paid? Or are you saying that seemingly every baseball player in America should be a free agent right now? And that's a fair point to make. However, I think it's a little bit different 
in that situation, just based off of when you're dealing with major leaguers, you're dealing with guys that have a minimum salary. You're dealing with guys that are getting paid significantly more money. As far as Oakland's concerned, they're paying the guys $400 a week. And I believe the savings came to, at least from what I saw in a Jeff Passon tweet, about $1 million to $1.2 million over the course of the rest of the year, you say, from not paying them. And from a major league team where I presume most of the owners are worth billions of dollars, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, I really don't think a million dollars is going to be that big of a big of a cut to make, that much of a sacrifice. I mean, already you're paying them $400. There's a decent argument to be made that they're better off just applying for our unemployment as opposed to getting their $400 stipend. In any case, I still think it's you're better off just paying these guys, just from the PR fallback. I mean, you've seen this kind of fallout going across to social media from this whole week where you see the just the reaction of fans and other players saying they really can't afford to pay their guys $400 a week. It's really, it really isn't much. And I, I just don't understand why Oakland decided that they got to penny pinch that much. I mean, I'm not saying you got to insure them and say, we're going to pay you the $400 throughout the rest of the year. Like some teams have done. I'm just saying that you could have at least said, okay, we'll pay them through June. And then we're going to reevaluate in June and just reevaluate it each month. I'm not saying you have to make a long-term commitment, but making a short-term commitment at least does something. And I'll say this much, if every other team had made the same decision, it was just kind of a blanket decision across the board, while it would still be kind of a shitty decision to make, it wouldn't be as bad in my mind. But seeing that there are dozens of major league teams coming out and saying, no, we're going to pay our guys through the rest of the year. No, we're going to pay our guys through July, through August. That's That's a different story. And Honestly, I don't think uh, a lot of people would have as much of a, a reaction to this if there were indie ball leagues being played. At least then they would have a, an opportunity elsewhere to say, okay, well then release me from my contract so I can go play somewhere. I think a lot of the issues that are arising from this, at least from kind of a crowd reaction, is simply put just, it's, it's a really bad time to pick to do this. It's a really bad time. And if they would have said, okay, we're not going to pay our guys, but we're going to free them, then it's, it's different. I'm just, I'm kind of blathering on at the moment, but it's just very, I don't know if, I don't like that decision by Oakland to do it. Again, it's just such a minor amount. If it would have been a thousand dollars a month, then I would have said, okay, well, maybe, but even still, then you're looking at what, two and a half million roughly that you're going to be dulling out over the course of the rest of the year. I just think it's a little bit, uh, a little bit much. And I'm just in the camp of, well, either pay them or don't pay them. But if you're not going to pay them, then free them from their contract because it's just not a fair decision. And it's a lot different in the sense of minor leaguers don't have a union and major leaguers do. Major leaguers can arguably afford to take that financial hit more than a minor leaguer can. I think that's really where the basis of a lot of the social media outrage and my, my displeasure at the whole situation stems from, which is mainly... Just, you see these people, or these players rather, that can't afford to play baseball that much. And it may be an awkward way of wording it, but basically every minor leaguer has two jobs. I mean, in the offseason, all the baseball players here that, uh, that play and listen to the podcast will understand what we're saying. In that, 
during the season, you're primarily a baseball player, but you're also running some camps. You're also doing some odd jobs to try and pick up a little bit of extra cash for your, for your wallet. And then in the off season, either you're playing winter ball and again, still doing those odd jobs and picking up whatever job you really can in those kind of weird transfer months that uh, October, November time. And then that kind of um, March, April time before baseball season picks up again. You know, you're doing landscaping, you're doing manual labor, you're doing whatever you really can get. So that way you can pad your bank account again so you can afford to continue to chase your dream. So you're always working either one and a half jobs or you're working and in addition to being a baseball player. And being that you have this financial strain here, already these guys are kind of strained. Already they had to pay their way to, to spring training if they got there. These guys got everything's out of their own pocket, really. So I just don't. I don't agree with the decision to say, ah, now we can't pay the $400 here. Already, minor leaguers are criminally underpaid as it is, which I, again, don't quite understand why, if you're a major league team, you wouldn't want to pay them enough money so that way they don't have to do those odd jobs in the offseason. So that way they could just focus on playing baseball and getting better. It benefits your organization to have more better players in it, like I said before, because either they turn to useful pieces for your big league club or they turn to trading pieces so that way your big league club can get better. I just, you know, I never really understood that decision outside of just a penny pinching move. Obviously, it's a much different on a indie ball level, which we'll circle back to that seeing as that's the main point of the show in just a second here. But I just never got that on a major league level. So that's the one thing I did want to kind of address off the bat here because I saw that going around a lot. And I just uh, I just wanted to point out that a lot of these players being the actual release of these players rather isn't necessarily where my problem is because I just see those as delayed cuts. Uh, guys that were going to be cut in March got cut in May now. That's really the only major difference and that front. But it's just the teams like the A's not playing their minor leaguers is something that's a that's a problem here. And then I also wanted to just point out here as we shift to the next part of this kind of minor league, major league focus here, that it does appear now more than ever that MILB will not be playing this year. Now, how that affects Indie Ball, we'll jump into in just a second. But the only other piece that I saw of real interest as far as Indie Ball is concerned is on a, on a Cleveland sports talk station. It was like 92.3, I want to say. It, it's linked in the in the show notes that you can you can listen to Joel Sheehan join the join the program on there. And he was saying that Indie Ball could be a winner of the whole minor league contraction because they'll have more teams and supposedly the players will be playing for more in the line aka they're going to be playing to win a league as opposed to playing to be promoted and that you're going to have more room for success so these teams will be able to gain more of a financial backing they'll be able to be less subservient to a parent club the second point i kind of agree although player salaries are a major expense it's arguably the foremost expense on any roster so i'm not necessarily sure they're they're going to reach any sort of a higher ceiling, nor do I think there's any sort of a higher ceiling for them than just being a minor league baseball club. I mean, obviously on the show, we're very big fans of independent league baseball and minor league baseball in general. But at the same time, it's very important to keep the perspective of it's still minor league baseball. Uh, there's very few kids, if any, that grow up saying, well, I hope I peak by making it to double A. No, they grow up saying, I hope I play for the Red Sox. I hope we play for the Yankees. I hope I play for the Dodgers. I hope I play for the Giants. You know, that nobody grows up saying, I hope I play for the Akron Rubber Ducks or the San Antonio Mission or even the Somerset Patriots. No one's really got that as their, as their bar. 
if they wind up there, more often than not, it's not as bad as they think it is, and it winds up being a, a pleasurable experience. And a lot of guys say, you know, indie ball is the most fun I have playing because it was the closest you could get to being like a kid on the diamond again, where you're playing for the love of the game. But it's with that, that the second point I kind of agree with. It's the first point I have the most problem with, saying that, you know, there's more in the line, that they're playing to win a league now, that no one plays to win the New York Penn League. Well, at the same time, well, yes, the team and the staff on the team and some of the guys that are there, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves for a minute, each independent league team probably has one or two guys that have been there for quite some time particularly in the Atlantic League that they've kind of accepted you know I'm probably not going to get my contract purchase and even if I had the opportunity I'm not sure I necessarily want to I'm enjoying being here I kind of have a wink and a nod agreement with the front office that when my playing days are done I'm going to transition there I'm really part of this community I want to be here uh, because playing in double A for four months is, it really isn't going to change much for me personally. So when you have those guys, yeah, those guys are playing to win the Atlantic League. They're playing to win the Frontier League. They're playing to win the American Association. But most of the guys on these teams, you know, the 23, 24, 25, 26 year olds, the guys with double A AA and triple A experience, some of the major league guys, those guys are playing to get back into affiliated baseball. We've said it before and we'll say it again on this show. This is a last chance you type set up with independent leagues everybody's playing to you know kind of survive in advance you play in, in the indie leagues to get yourself reps to get yourself in front of scouts so that way you can hopefully have that contract purchase so you can climb your way through the ranks that's kind of the, the point of the independent leagues you're not playing to win the atlantic league and i don't say that as in you know guys are going out there saying ah, oh, i don't care if the team wins or loses because they do they certainly do care. Obviously, a winning team helps a lot more than a losing team. And obviously, you want whatever team you're a part of to be successful. It'd be stupid to say otherwise. But to, to say that they're putting they're putting the team result ahead of getting their own contract purchased, to say a player would say, no, I don't want my contract purchased because I want to still be part of this team and win, I think is a little dishonest. I think players, at least 9 out of 10 of them, would say... If they, if you approach said the Texas Rangers want to buy your contract, are you cool going to Texas? They're going to say, absolutely, sign me up. I think very few of them will be going, no, nah, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to go to Texas. Don't bother. I don't want, I want to remain here. Now, some of them do say, I don't want my contract sold unless, you know, X conditions are met. Some of them say, no, nah, I don't want my contract sold. That does happen. But more often than not, it's it's not like this weird romanticized version that I think Joel Sheehan's trying to trying to push a little bit here, and I don't mean that in a negative way. But it's not like these guys are all going, all right, let's win it for Somerset, let's win it for New Jersey, let's win it for Sioux City. No, it it's okay. I'm here. I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to try and help this team to win as long as I'm here. I just hope I'm in an affiliate system sooner than later because every day is another day I come closer to retirement. And when it eventually becomes my time to retire, I hope I at least got one game in the majors. That's their goal. So, I, again, I just I don't necessarily agree with that point. But with that said, we'll circle back to the little chance that MILB pl playing this year has and how that kind of affects the independent leagues. And I'll say this much. Uh, it does affect them, and it doesn't at the same time. I know that's a bit uh, confusing, so let me clarify. It affects them because, well, MILB is the most direct comparison 
to independent league baseball that you have. Both of them are focused primarily on gate revenue. Both of them have similar expenses. Both of them draw similar number crowds. And both of them operate fairly similar. That said, at the same time, MILB clubs do have that benefit of that affiliation. They do have the benefit of not having to pay their roster. That is a major benefit for them that the independent leagues aren't necessarily afforded. There's also a decent amount of MILB teams that are owned by the parent club. And with this weird restructuring contraction going on and how everything's going to get jumbled, you also have to factor in that there's probably not as much of a pressing need. And the fact that they're wholly dependent on Major League Baseball means they're going to have to do what MLB says. And if MLB winds up deciding this year, okay, well, having a full minor league system is going to be too risky, and they're probably going to have to wind up shutting down because of all the travel and the whole conditions about it. So we're just going to run with a 40-man roster or a 50-man roster and pull guys off of that roster to act as a kind of minor league for us this year, and then we'll go back to the system next year. That's great, and that will work for MILB. That's not a possibility for independent league baseball. They need to play. Their teams are in serious jeopardy of just disappearing. Like, if an MILB team gets contracted, there's probably an indie league that's going to come to the city and go, hey, do you want a team back? We'll offer you a shot in our league. With independent league, they are, they're not getting another league that's going to say, hey, you want on board. Every day they don't have a game, every time they don't have the gate revenue, it hurts them more and more. And you also have to keep in mind there's, there's something to be said about playing and keeping the brand identity alive. And with the way that independent leagues turn over, unless you're in a community for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, it's very possible that a community will go, oh, whatever happened to them, and only to discover, well, they're still playing. That's a very present danger. And I saw a little bit of discussion uh, online saying, oh, well, is the Frontier League still looking at that aggressive expansion plan? And my response to that was, well, they're just currently trying to stay alive. Their goal right now is just to keep all their current franchises, all their current members alive for 2021. If they play, which is what they're they're hoping for, and I they did issue the press release. I think a lot of people saw that essentially said we're, we contacted all of the local state and provincial health departments were in constant contact. We've been doing weekly video chats since mid-March. We're on top of the situation. As soon as we can play, we're going to play. We're committed to playing as much of the season as possible. For the Atlantic League said similar things. And same thing with the American Association. They've said similar things. All three leagues are on the same front where, look, we want to play because we need to play. There is an economic necessity in doing so that doesn't necessarily exist with MILB. So the situations are very different. There's more expenses in independent league baseball. The margins are, are just as razor thin. And there's also a brand identity there. And also something else you have to keep in mind is when everything does go back to normal, more than likely next year, however, it's very well possible it'll be later next year, so later 2021, or even possibly 2022. That's something that's also on the table here. It obviously depends on a lot of medical factors that will kick in. But when you factor all that information into the process here, they're going to have a lot of competition when they come back. So if they can at least play part of this season and at least get some money in, it will... It won't hurt as much because at least they'll be able to pay some more expenses. And with a lot of teams that in the offseason, you know, they try to revamp their ballpark. They try to do things that will at least, you know, be able to keep them relevant, keep them current in their communities. 
it, without having that that money from the season, it's going to be real tough. And when you don't play all of June, which seems very likely now, so at best case, when you don't play till July or possibly even August, it really is going to hurt the margins, and it's going to affect so many things because it's just such a domino effect. And again, MILB, while they do have a lot of the similar concerns, I don't want to disregard them, they also have the benefit of having that giant backing, of having that affiliation that will always keep people coming to them. Independently, baseball is solely based on that good, fun, safe time out, and maybe if you have a big-name player, having some people show up for that player. When you don't have that player or people don't feel safe in that ballpark, it significantly hurts your ability to play on that. And like I said, the margins are so thin that they need to play. It's not a matter of they would like to or they wouldn't like to. Obviously, I think MILB, if they had the choice, they would like to play as well, but they don't have that luxury of being able to choose their own destiny, which is something that is a positive, I would say, of independent league baseball. And so I just want to get that out there and just spend some time on that, how they are dedicated to playing. All the leagues are dedicated to playing. And obviously it's only something that time will tell and they can't play until it's safe because this, the liability that will happen if a fan or a player gets sick is, is tremendous. And more than that, though, even if a player gets sick, then you got to basically shut it all down. So they don't want to rush it back because that'd be the worst case scenario. You open everything up, you you have all the expense of running a game and the optics of not being able to run a game as you usually would like, only to have it shut it down five, ten games into the season because a player tested positive. That would be the absolute worst case scenario. And obviously you can't run the same precautions as MLB can, as these other leagues can. They don't have that luxury either. So I think that's worthwhile to go into. And obviously these are all things that when I have someone else to bounce off of, we'll have more of a discussion on. As it's like I've said in the past and we'll say again, it's very difficult to have these kind of broad discussion-based topics and just kind of be talking at a computer screen. So with that said, I feel like we can kind of move on to just some of the other other topics, there's really only two others, uh, which is Somerset. They have done like a design the jersey contest. What's going to basically happen is fans can go to the website, download the template, and you could draw a jersey. You can create a jersey. You could use paint. You could use Photoshop. You could use whatever program really you'd like to design the jersey based off the template they provide. You submit it by June 30th, and then they will put up all the jerseys to a fan vote. And whenever, whomever wins the fan boat will get the jersey put up for auction. So they'll actually make jerseys that will be auctioned off for uh, for charity. And the winner will get one copy of their jersey plus tickets to a game where they will be honored for the design. So that is something of interest, I thought. You know, it may not be a, a bad thing to promote. So you could go right over to the Somerset Patriots website and do that. It's something to keep your mind sane during quarantine, although there are more things starting to open up as well. Uh, that being said, let's just cover some of the other ballpark uses. Uh, I've noticed a lot of teams are getting creative here. Sussex and Florence have used their ballpark as an animal farm. So you can kind of drive through, think of like a uh, Six Flags, Great Adventure, Grand Safari type deal, only you replace exotic animals from the Sahara and uh, Africa and these kind of exotic continents with uh, basic farm animals it's still something to do it's entertaining for the families you know it's good it's all in good fun there let's see there's also Sussex and Fargo Moorhead that are doing drive-in fireworks 
Some teams are doing drive-in movies, Somerset and Milwaukee being the two most, and then places like Southern Illinois and Schaumburg are doing uh, drive-through graduations. So you could drive through the ballpark, They'll take you could take your graduation photos there. Uh, all of those are real creative ways, and really anything that keeps the community active and engaged is always a, a positive way of doing things there. Uh, two other things to really touch on before we kind of wrap up, or before I kind of wrap up, this week's show. Uh, first thing is, I noticed that New York and New Jersey both said uh, sports teams can go back to practicing, which is a major hurdle that you overcome for the Frontier League and the Atlantic League, seeing as you have franchises in that whole general metro area. So it does make it a little bit easier. However, again, until you can actually have large amounts of fans in attendance, it really doesn't help you. And I did see Texas is allowing some fans back. I think it was like 30% capacity. So you could have a, about a thousand or so in attendance for a Sugarland game. That's all well and good, but you do still need uh, some teams or some more states to allow for that to happen. And with North Carolina, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and uh, New York, New Jersey, all still a little bit slow on that gun, that's not going to really happen here. And obviously, it's a lot different. In areas that were ravaged harder, they're going to take a much more precautious kind of mindset to reopening things and doing things like that, as opposed to areas that weren't hit as hard. So, I just want to get that out there, because I know I've seen that, and I just want to keep everyone kind of level here. Just because teams can practice and you can have some gatherings, if states like New Jersey are still saying 25 people at max at an outside gathering, that doesn't really help teams at all. They're, they're going to need a couple thousand people to be able to gather between ballpark staff, team staff, te- the actual teams, and then people in attendance. They're going to need much more of a leap. So perhaps July comes around and we're in a different state, but I just don't really see anything changing immediately over the next uh, next couple of weeks. So if something does change, obviously we'll cover it here, but uh, until that happens... We're now we're real. <clears throat> we're not really any closer to starting a season. All right. So with that, we have one last thing to announce, which is some of the guests we have coming up on the show over the next. Well, really, over the next month. So next week, we are currently working on a scheduling date, but we are going to have someone from the United Shore League. So the league we've spent the past two weeks talking about, we're going to talk about their COVID reopening plan. We're going to talk about their kind of history, their mission statement, a lot of what the league represents and what the league is about, how it operates. So there's going to be a lot of interesting discussion going around about that. But obviously, we're also going to talk about the COVID reopening plan for the United Shore League. After that, we are in discussion with one other person to get on for that uh, second week of June. We don't have anything scheduled yet, so I don't want to announce them. I'll announce it next week. And then as of right now, it, our third guest that we have scheduled for the third week of June, we're going to have the Deputy Commissioner of the Frontier League, Steve Talsler, come on to the show. Again, we're going to talk a lot about what the Frontier League is, what the Frontier League represents, their COVID plan, where they're at, how close we are to a season. We're going to have a lot of that discussion coming up there. So as of right now, we have three guests scheduled. They're three really good interviews, and I thank everybody for agreeing to come on the show, and I look forward to talking to all of them. So with that being said, and I don't really have much else left to add, I'm going to try to get the plugs and get out of here. 
If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us at Indie Ball Pod on Twitter, at Indie Ball Report on Instagram. You can hit up the website for all the show notes, articles, videos, podcast episodes, and everything else in between. That is IndieBallReport.com. You can find the YouTube channel where we have all our videos up there. Indie Ball Report podcast on YouTube for that. Uh, outside that, there really isn't much. The podcast is available on every, just about every uh, podcatcher that's out there. So all the major ones, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major ones. You can find us all there. Uh, nothing else really left to add. Again, thanks to everybody that's helping in the fight against COVID. And uh, yeah, there's nothing else left to add. Like all times, don't forget to play ball. Play ball.